The conversations and information provided are not intended to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not reflect the view of Humana Military or the Department of Defense. Welcome to the Operation Within podcast, where we talk about health and a deeper sense of well-being. Operation Within is a collective initiative to optimize holistic health matters and nourish within community, within self, and within family. Thank you for joining the conversation on Operation Within podcast. We are your hosts, Mel and Marty, and our conversations are real, they're raw, and reflective. These conversations offer meaningful dialogue on experiences within the military community, oriented to empower and strengthen health and vitality in our communities who serve. We want to give a special thanks to Humana Military and our partners who have brought Operation Within to life. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome back to the Operation Within podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and I am here with Enrique Urbe, and he is a Sergeant First Class in the Army. Enrique found yoga after navigating mental health challenges and is now a passionate advocate for bringing yoga and mindfulness to the military community. Enrique has a little over 20 years of military experience and firsthand recognizes the benefits of mindfulness and yoga and bringing that both to military force and leadership. Enrique, I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Of course. And I would love to start off and hear a little bit about your journey and um, what led you to starting yoga and learning about mindfulness and all this stuff. Well, I've been in the military 20 plus years, um, been on four deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. So I've, I've had my bouts of depression, uh, PTSD, things like that. So fast forwarding uh, about 18, 17, 18 years in, um, I was really in a bad place. And I was just trying to figure out, like, why do I feel this way? Um, things like that. And I couldn't get out of the funk I was in, and it was affecting my marriage, um, affecting how I was reacting to my soldiers. Um, I wasn't being a good father like I should be. Um, so I just figured, like, there had to be something to help me. So I did all the, the regular stuff, the basics. I went to behavioral health. Um, I talked to the doctors. I even went on my own and, like, did the, the military one sort of thing. And it was helping, but it, it wasn't working. So I just was thinking to myself, like, how can I help myself? Like, what can I do on my own to to help me feel better, um, to break this cycle of depression and um, to not feel like I have to claim what they're saying is PTSD? And um, I kind of started looking around on the Internet, and uh, I found yoga and mindfulness and meditation. And I said, well, if this is helping people um, become more one with themselves, if it's helping them with their depression. Um, I knew it wasn't going to be a one shot, but I, I knew it had to be something to try. So I started meditating um, one to two minutes a day, um, three minutes a day. I started practicing mindfulness and yoga. Um, around 2018, 2019, I really got serious about it. And it, it started helping, and it, it surprised me. Um, I started going to um, behavioral health less. I started feeling better about myself. I, I felt motivated. And the, this practice, uh, I didn't know what it was doing inside of me, but something was changing. And I felt like if this is changing for me, like, oh, my God, what could it do to the entire force? So just that brief summary is, is kind of what brought me to um, yoga, meditation, and, and mindfulness. And, like, I just took a leap of faith and reached out there and tried to find something. And uh, I found yoga. I found a small community of military people doing yoga, um, civilians teaching military, military members doing yoga. Um, this is when I first uh, saw what um, Live American Yoga was doing. So I just um, kind of joined the movement and and just started feeling good about what I was doing and good about myself. And um, just I, from that point, I wanted to just, just bring it to more people. 
I wanted to help more people. I wanted them to understand what the practice of mindfulness and meditation could do to the force. Well, it's interesting, too, because when you talk about starting meditation, it was like one to two minutes, three minutes. I think that meditation itself can be really intimidated. What were some things that kind of got you over that access barrier? That is, that's a big one. Um, So, to be honest, meditation is still intimidating to me. Um, I'm only able to practice about 20 minutes a day, like sitting in meditation. But what I did was I, I, I'm not coining this phrase, but like what is a micro meditation. So I take small blocks during the day and um, I breathe or I just, I sit in silence and I, I focus on my natural heartbeat, uh, I focus on my breath. Um, I use things like anchors, like a mala, just to kind of bring me back to me, to bring me back inward. And and, and that's what, what helped me. And, um, you know, we, we talk about, like, um, being stillness and um, sitting in silence. Like, I don't naturally think that it's, it's possible for a service member or a person in the military to actually sit in silence, um, like how you would really think meditation is. Um, so I, I kind of, you know, just try to focus on my surroundings, like the things I hear, like I acknowledge them, I accept them. The birds are chirping, um, the cars are driving, um, but I don't let it bother me. I just, I take it in and I, I use that as a precursor to, to be more grounded. Um, just, you know, acceptance. That's so, amazing. Well, and I think, too, is when we look at, like, that technique you just talked about, it's because there's a lot of belief that you have to empty your mind and achieve something, and especially in the military culture, so there's so much conditioning about achievement, right? So the idea of sitting and achieving nothing or, like, being in stillness makes no sense, but when you just share it like you just did, you know, we know there's three aspects that can get us to come back to the present moment, and that's breath, sensation, and sound. And I love that you're, you know, as you're sharing this, it's like, well, what brings you to the present moment? You know, holding a mala. And for those who don't know, that's like a beaded necklace, right? And you can use semi-precious stones that, because they're just grounding. They're heavy. They feel nice in your hands. But it could be an oil or touch, even literally having a hand on the ground and feeling the ground beneath you, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that you just shared that there's, it was just tuning into the aspects of what makes up the present moment, right? You know, and, um, yeah, and I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but, like, one day it just dawned on me, like, there's no possible way I could sit in silence, but what can I use to help me focus? Like, what can I use to help me be mindful? And what I tell my soldiers now is is that you're already meditating. You just don't know it. Like, think about that song that you love, like, how it makes you feel, like, the rhythm of the song. What is the person saying, the beats of the song? Feel that, like, feel that deep inside of you. And just lose yourself in it. Like you're meditating. You're becoming one with that moment. And and when I explain it like that, they're like, yes. And like for me, it's like I love being out in nature. I love hiking. So it's a perfect time. Like I take soldiers hiking all the time. And it's like this is meditation. This is walking meditation. Like when you're in nature and the, the wind and the sun are like, I don't know, the the wind, the, the soft breeze is like just bellowing at your face. The sun, the warmth on your skin, like that is meditation. The birds singing, the rustling of the leaves against your feet, like all of that is a form of meditation. And it, it can all bring you back to that present moment, to that moment that you're in right now. And that's just kind of how I look at it, and it, it helps me be present. Well, and I think, too, when we look at the military, and we kind of talked a little bit before about the military's interest and the purpose is combat readiness. And the importance of our ability to be present, whether there's combative tasks or even when you're not working and going home to your family to train, it's almost like we have to train our minds to be present because we are pulled into trying to either recreate the past or dwell on the past or prepare and achieve for the future and then we miss out on life which really only happens in the present so it's like easy to say well why would you even do that like it just feels like a waste of time or it's not productive the reality is is it's training it's literally neurosomatic training for your body Mm -hmm. and you know maybe just to add to that because we talk about the combat readiness of the military and um just me trying to explain to like my leaders 
And my soldiers were always focused on mental agility. And like when we think about mental agility, what is that? Um, it's, it's you being able to focus in that moment and make a quantitative decision to move forward, maybe. That's just my definition of it. Like when, and when you think about it, like how can mindfulness help me? Well, mindfulness will bring me back to the present moment. Now, if we're in a convoy and something happens, like the first thing that, that happens on everybody is chaos. And how do we succeed in chaos? Well, some people can't, right? But what mindfulness and meditating has taught me is that in the midst of chaos, I can still be calm. I can still bring myself to the present moment, and I can react to the chaos in a more sufficient way if I would be just like my nervous system taking over, and now I'm panicking. So it's how I try to explain it, and it makes sense to me. It makes sense to other people, but it's like you know, focusing on the mental agility. And that brings us back to like having a more combat ready force, just in my thoughts. Oh, it's beautiful. I think you're spot on because I think it's easy to, you know, let's just use that scenario of chaos. It's easy to judge a soldier who panics and doesn't respond the way they were technically trained. But you got to understand neurobiology that when the limbic brain goes online, we're going to fight, flight, freeze. And if we want to train soldiers to be ready for chaos and scenarios that are high stress, we have to develop the prefrontal cortex, which allows us to see the big picture. It allows us to problem solve in an instant. And it's like, well, how do you do that? You can tell people all day, prepare, 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 prepare. But what are we doing to the biology? So the system, the, you know, the human weapon system is mm -hmm. equipped to face chaos and navigate it with wisdom and with seen the big picture right yeah and I, I think that's beautiful what you just said because like i'm i'm not as in tune with the uh like the prefrontal cortex and like those words but like when you explain it to me like i know how to flip that and tell a soldier like hey this is this is how we we win in chaos right if something happens you know go back to your doctrine like and mindfully go back to your doctrine what's the first thing i do well i do this What's the second thing I do? I do this. So it helps me, like, teach them to come back to self, come back to the present moment, and, and use what they've learned from mindfulness and army doctrine to help them through that, that moment of chaos. That's awesome. You know, I, and I think, too, it's like, so meditation is one thing. And, you know, would you be open to share a little bit about, you know, the difference with your yoga practice and then because you've, you know, on your own, you've been doing your meditation practices. And for those who may feel just uncomfortable with meditation, what gifts the yoga practice can bring? So many. Um, like when usually when you think about yoga, if, if you don't know uh, about what yoga is, it's, it's unity, it's to yoke, it's to unite. And that's helped me come back to myself so many times. And just the, the focus of, of meditation, it's not really even about the asanas for me. It's about the meditation and the oneness. And it's just being able to, to meditate and be free with myself has opened up so many varieties of, for me of, like, how I react in the Army. Um, I'm able to, like, be more aware of what my soldiers need. I'm able to anticipate what my leaders are going to ask for and give that to them better because meditation has shown me how to appreciate that present moment, how to skillfully listen better, how not to, to bring my ego in, into the conversation when it doesn't need to be there. Well, well, first of all, the ego never really needs to be in the conversation, but it's helped me to notice like, when I'm, I'm speaking from my ego and when I'm speaking from myself. I hope that's not being too esoteric. You know, but it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's the welcoming presence we talk about, which that might sound fluffy, but mm -hmm. a welcoming presence, if you think about, let, let's just use an example. If I'm uh, sitting on the, sh on the side of the street and I'm watching cars pass and I'm judging each car and saying, I know all about the car. Oh, there's another Jeep. Oh, there's another this. I'm missing out on actually, oh, wow, like that's this model. And what is it showing me? And I know that's kind of a silly metaphor, but it's like when we tell the world what the experience is, that's the ego saying, I already know, and this is going to suck, right? Or this is going to be what it is. Or the welcoming presence, or when you talk about the self, 
yourself witnessing experiences, you're receiving them as they are so you can see the fullness and not miss out on the details. And like, again, we are so reactive. And when we're reactive, I like what you said about anticipating what your leadership and then, you know, be able to perform and fulfill what their requests are. It's like you can actually listen to what they need and what they're asking without being victimized or making it heavy or hard. It's just, okay, it's a visitor. And in this moment, it's going to, I'm going to attend it. And then it's going to be a next now moment. So I think it, yeah, it's like absolutely liberating. Yeah. And the the devil is in the details sometimes because like how you said about the Jeep, like now I'm able to like focus so much more, like e- even this room, like I'm, I'm noticing everything in this room. And like when I'm at home, like with my daughter, like I'm noticing what my daughter needs, even without her saying it. She can look at me and I know what that look means. Like the way she's breathing, I know what that breath means. Like, <sighs> I know that that means she's tense or easy. I know that that means I'm okay. Right. So, and d- these are, I know that probably sounds like, well, you should have known that, but no, like being, being in, in meditation and, and like being able to, to focus and like see all of those details. Like now when I go hiking, like I'm able to actually see the world as it is like through nature while I'm on the hike. And even knowing that like I'm part of this, like there is no separation. I am nature and nature is me. That bird chirping, that is me. The wind, it is me. The ground, the earth, it is me. Everything is me. And like being at work, it's not even about the leader or what the leader needs from me. It's about like fulfilling that purpose in the moment so that we all can succeed. And that's kind of how I look at things now. It's never just about like how, how it reflects on me. It's, it's how can we be more of service to, to what's happening in that moment? Because that moment of fulfillment will make, will make everything better. You know, you're making me think of as suicide prevention, and it's like how a lot of the operational response to that is very, it's like, here's the steps and just take them versus, and so when we have a situation, it's, you just apply those steps and like, that's what you do versus when you have a situation instead of projecting the steps just alone. And, you know, it's like, you're able to identify and see the full picture of what this individual is navigating and then go step by step instead of you just like pulling dragging them through the steps you're walking beside them and helping them curate meaning and purpose that's relevant to them right absolutely and i, I don't want to get outside it so room me in if i if i do but um I'll, that comment you just made like like i have like i have three soldiers like that i'm like directly responsible for and it, it's like everybody's like all the other soldiers come to me now because like I can actually, how, how to explain, I guess I'll become the guy to, to like, I'm the helper. Now, like when a soldier has a problem, they're like, Hey, go to Fire Like anything, go to Fire Ruby because I'm, I'm, I'm different. Like, I don't know like what's driving the difference. I think, I think I know, but they see something different in me now that makes them more comfortable, like to come to me. And, you know, we, we were making a joke about the, the E4 Mafia. You know what the E4 Mafia is, right? So the E4 Mafia is like the band of E4s. It's like the news, the Army News Network. Everything ha- happens at, at that rank, and, like, they keep you tapped into what's going on, like, in your platoon. So, like, all of the E4s feel comfortable talking to me now, and I've been able to stop so many things from happening, like harassment. It, it's funny, like, it, it's giving me the opportunity to, to intervene on a soldier before something gets out of out of control. And, like, to me, that is so amazing. But that's the way it should be. Yeah. That's the whole point. You know, it's like we do all these – we call a lot of things preventative, but really it's a, rea- it's a response to something that already happened. Yeah. And like you said, you know, being able to create a welcoming space as a leader – for people to come so they can uh, get back into alignment, get their their heads on stri- straight, as I guess people would say, mm-hmm. right? It's like grounding, getting clear so they can take cho- or make choices that 
are not going to create more problems. But the thing is, is that, you know, we're so quick to just go behavioral health. Like we just send people. And I, you know, in the civilian side, I work with a lot of people who come with this medical fatigue is kind of what I call it, where it's like they've been passed from provider, 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 and they're Mm -hmm. so exhausted because no one's actually listening or meeting them where they're at. They're just getting passed to the next person and passed to the next person, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I believe now that behavioral health, like actually starts at the unit. Like it starts with the team leader, the platoon sergeant, the platoon leader. Like if we are correctly taking care of soldiers, the way the army meant for us to, to be like the leaders we should be being like the behavioral health starts at the unit. Like we're supposed to be making sure those soldiers are like physically fit. Um, they're in the correct mental space. They have everything they need to succeed. And um, we're, currently not doing that well I think but I, I think we're going um for in a in a better place so like when I look at soldiers now I, I look at like that soldier's asset it's not a private or a, a private first class that soldier's asset and like what do you do with assets you garner and protect them you know you you give them what they need you give them a safe space um and when they have a problem like you do everything within your power to fix that problem and I think once we start focusing on that more, uh, it, it'll just be better. Like things will start falling into the place they need to be. So, I mean, that's like, those are my thoughts. Those may not be what the Army thoughts are right now, but I think that's how we need to lead forward in the foxhole. Like the soldiers are an asset. You know, it's interesting that you're, you you share that because, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And also, too, when you get on the metric side and, like, how much a soldier is worth to the Army, like, it is. Like, and, you know, if, if we're not caring for them, that's going to, you know, deplete our reservoir or the military's reservoir, you know. So, but, you know, I think there's this underlaying or this old story that is, it, it's a tough one because it's the, you know, kind of the eat, their, eat your young kind of thing, right? It's like, well, I had a rough time when I was in E1 to E4. And so I need to push that. I need to put them through the hardship and they got to learn how to embrace the suck, you know? So it's like that aspect and not babying them either. You know, that's that balance that is so challenging, but you do hear this like, well, you don't want to baby them. You don't want to, I had to go through it. This is part of the natural (laughs) like order of things, right? Yeah. And like this, I mean, it's funny because like the, the way I treat my soldiers now is like the very same way I treat my daughter. Right. Like I, I want to give her things. I want to make recommendations um, for her to make the appropriate decisions, but I let her make her own decisions, but like, I'll still be there to give you recommendations. Like if you fail, I'll be there to pick you up. Right. You're never going to be alone in the process. And, and I think sometimes we leave soldiers alone in the process because we, we, Every unit has that soldier that they call, like, oh, that's that soldier, the bad soldier, the one that we don't want in our squad because it's going to cause problems. But, like, now I'm like, give me that soldier. Let's get to the root cause of, of, of what's going on. Because, like, uh, under what's happening, you have to look at, like, what's the root cause of, of that happening? It's, it's probably not just the soldier's bad. Like, what's going, what's going on at home? Like, like, what mental space is the soldier in? Like, let's get to the bottom of that and, and help the soldier. Now, if, if we can't come to a, I, I don't know, like a, a understanding between the soldier, the leadership, and the Army, yeah, maybe that soldier needs to move on because, like, that's what's better for that soldier at this point. But let's not, like, just go directly to, oh, this soldier sucks. Um, let's look at UCMJ and try to put them out. No, let's fix it. Well, and also, too, is because even when somebody goes back into civilian life, mm-hmm. like, this is an opportunity to support our entire nation. Like, you know, because that's the other thing, too, is I think that the percent of people who do the four years or maybe eight years but then get out is much higher than people who stay in for an entire, you know, 20, 30-year career. And so, nonetheless, like, you're taking these kids. It's almost like, you know, 17 18 year olds they're getting prepared they, they they're getting prepared to go in those who are choosing that path like w- this is their first interaction you think about what college kids like that structure you know it's like college is can be chaotic you know in a lot of ways because that's the transition from leaving parents house leaving high school where there is all these safeguards you know and rules 
and then becoming an adult. And that time frame for the younger soldiers is so imperative for how they will perform as an adult. I know. And, and just think about, like, because we talked about veterans, right? Just think about, like, if, if a 19-year-old soldier comes in the Army, right? And we focus on prevention from the start. Like, this soldier's going to do two years, three. Maybe he'll be like some of us and do 20. And he'll, he'll get out. He or she will get out. And, like, we, we garnered a... Like, we, use, we, we threw all the things at them. We threw mindfulness. We threw meditation. We threw physical fitness, sleep readiness, um, combat readiness. Made him a great soldier. Like, we threw all those things at them. And, like, once he said, okay, I'm done, like, the process to becoming a civilian would be better than, than what we're doing right now. Because if you think about, like, the amount of veterans that are out there um, that are suffering from um, PTSD and depression, like, just think about the prevention, because right now we're reacting to, like, all these stigmas. But, like, I want us to prevent it. Like, if we, what if we start now? Like, the things that I'm trying to do and, and you're trying to do, like, I, I don't think we're going to see, like, a lot of uh, immediate fruit right now. But just imagine, like, if you plant those seeds, these trees grow, and, like, that fruit starts ripening over time. Like, what would it look like 5 to 10 or maybe even 20 years from now? like doing the process if we focus on the prevention first? Well, it's huge. And you're spot on because the the other aspect, you know, this kind of goes back to that balance when I was saying like, okay, you don't want to baby them, but, you know, how do you hold this space? It's really like when we bring these tools of mindfulness, mind-body medicine, yoga, you know, there's a lot of different language out there also Mm -hmm. for this, like self-awareness. If you want to increase self-accountability, you can't increase self-accountability without self-awareness. So if we train it in the nervous system and we train it into them, we see higher performance. We see more self-regulation and and this recognition. I, I love that you, you talked about this unity, this oneness, where we start to identify that we're part of a whole mm-hmm. and that how I operate and the choices I make affect the collective and how important that is and how the collective affects me. So we start to see this relationship built between the soldier and whole army and that it does work in concert. So that, you know, and there's just this yielding that happens in the yoga practice and in mindfulness where there's just this connection. It's hard to, you know, to quantify and study, but it is something that people speak of that just starts to change. And I would suggest it's the gray matter thickens and empathy and all these, these other aspects that are really imperative for, you know, human connection and purpose. Because when I feel purposeful and I have self-awareness, then it's the choices. Like there, there's meaning in why I'm in the army. There's meaning in why I'm leading in this way or embracing the suck when we have to because I and then they what they can do is they use the suck as a way to train their nervous system it's Mm -hmm. all about the reframe right yeah and you know I just go back to like thinking about like the 20 years I've served in the military and if I had these like the practice of yoga mindfulness and meditation like back when I came in because I'll be honest with you, about year 15, it got really bad for me. Like, I did not want to do any of it anymore. I didn't even feel comfortable putting on the uniform. Like, and I, I just really wanted to qu- to quit. And we're talking about, you know, depression, you know, being labeled, um, you know, the post-traumatic stress and figuring out what that meant. And, uh, you know, having panic attacks and, you know, being away from my family because, you know, because it's, it's what the Army needed from me. And I... I felt like I needed to be a good soldier and a good soldier was putting the mission first because that's what we were taught. Let's put the mission first. Now going fast forward, you know, back to like 2018 when I started becoming self-aware and, and noticing that, you know, these modalities can help me like yoga, probably not yoga itself, but the, the teachings and the, practices and fundamentals of what yoga taught me probably saved my military career because wow. there's been a couple of times where I just wanted to like, I'm not going to list. I'm done. But, you know, meditating helped me through those, those stressful times, being self-aware helped me through those, those stressful times. And like noticing that, like, like, why am I stressful today? Like, why do I feel like this? These emotions that I'm having, like, you know, they're not me. Like, I'm thinking them, but, like, they're not me. Like, I don't have to, like, surrender 
to to this depression. Like I don't have to surrender to like, well, you know that that Sergeant Major told me I wouldn't I wouldn't shit. No, shout out to all the great Sergeant Majors out there. <laughs> but you know, like that that moment can like wreck a soldier's career, right? Because you, you automatically tank all of the great things that happen and that one moment can like turn it around. And so I'm just so grateful that I found the the practice of yoga because it has helped me in so many stressful situations. Well, it's like that ability to know what is me, what's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like when you just use the example of, you know, a leader saying that to you, I think I've heard countless stories and even experienced it in my own marriage to, you know, my husband being in the military of, you know, I don't really care about your family. Like that, that's it. That's a you issue. That's not my issue. Figure it out. And it makes it so hard because that's who soldiers go home to at the end of the day. So when you're struggling between you see your wife really having a hard time and needing support in certain ways, but then you have this other voice, you know, it's hard. Then we don't even know who's us, who's my wife, who's, who's my leader. And then who's really me. What do I feel I need to do? That's right. It can, yeah, it can be so overwhelming. Yeah. It's like you're reading my mind because like for a couple of years, like I really didn't know like who I was like. And I was asking myself, like, who are you? Like, what is your purpose? Like, why why are you here? Right now, imagine that thought process, what rabbit holes like a soldier can go go through. Right. You can imagine. But like for years, like I didn't even really know who I was. Like I didn't. I, I know that. Um, I put on a uniform. I know that I, I went in and I, I did things for the Army. But, like, it just, I, I didn't feel of service. I didn't want to be there. Um, you know, I, I wasn't on the brink of, um, like, suicidal I, ideations. But there has been times where I, like, I just thought, like, what if I go to sleep and just not wake up? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I don't want to do this anymore. So, yes, yoga saved me. Well, you know, and you think about it's like for soldiers, it's you don't see the other side, like what possibly could be civilian life. Mm -hmm. There's and I, you know, I see it in my own marriage like they're like the idea of not having the army is worse than anything because you don't know. And part of this is especially when you come into it at such a young age and this is what you've been programmed into. And also too early on, I think about most of our deployments, who are we sending? We're sending 18 year olds, 19 year olds, 20 Mm -hmm. year olds, you know, and they're experiencing, you know, these, 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 I, so I define trauma as separation of mind and body. So anytime the mind and body separates where you're just going in, you have to react and there's no mind there or you disassociate from your body and it's all mind, right? Anytime we have those experiences and deployments oftentimes lead to a lot of experiences like that. So, so early on, and then now you've overcome that and you're building a career here. It's like any other choice that you don't see options. Yeah. You know, and I think that when we talk about soldier for life, even that concept, how the intention is really beautiful, but it's like, how do we see if if at some point the career is not working, that there are options that, you know, if it's not working, that there's options out there. But, you know, again, the like the it's just not there. And I think people don't really understand that on the civilian side of like, you know, why does it get so hard for soldiers, especially with mental health? You know, like. I don't want to say I hate that term, soldier for life. Like, I understand why it's there. But I, I think it puts you in the mind frame of that I'm a soldier for life, and, and that's all that I am, right? So I, I try to, to teach this to, to soldiers, or and even like even to my seniors, my leaders, that, like, when we, when we say, like, you know, I'm a soldier forever or soldier for life, like, you, you're putting yourself in a box. Like, what about the father, the husband? What about the friend? What about the the guy who likes to go out in the community and and you know brethren with with his people? So I just like there's so many other things about me. I I love nature. I, like I do yoga. You know what I'm saying? Like it's I'm not just a soldier. Like I'm Enrique. I'm a husband. I'm a father. There's so many more things. I'm a mentor. You know, like I I help people. Like or at least I think I do. I try to. So. Yes, I'm a soldier, but what about the plus, 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 plus other things that, that I am? You know, so I think that's relevant. And I think we probably need to, like, restructure 
like our verbiage around like what being a soldier entails because it's only a sliver of what we do. It's so true. And that's so beautifully said. You know, it made me think of the parallel how in the yoga practice, you know, we talk about, so when, when he says asanas, those are yoga poses, right? And a sequence is a bunch of yoga poses, but even in between postures, it's an experience. And each time you visit a posture, it's a new experience. So it teaches us this impermanence and that we are so many different versions of ourselves in several different moments of the practice. And that concept is so true in our lives. There's um, one of my favorite poems. I cannot remember the author and I cannot remember it accurately, but it goes along the lines of um, he's writing about his wife, but how he's been married to many different women. But it's her. It's just that she's different versions like through her life. There's so many different versions of us that, you know, and seasons and nothing is permanent. We're always evolving. And, you know, for you think about the doctor, not doctrine, but the mindset in the military of like, you know, your what is your MOS? This is, you know, you have a place and also the security. I think that ha- like, or it's, I don't know if it's a real security. It's more of maybe an illusion of security of, I could just look at your chest and know who you are, know where mm-hmm. you're placed. And I feel safe. It's like, everybody has a place, everything belongs somewhere. And it's this black and white thinking. So it's the, it curates this, this safety feeling in a way, but it misses out on the reality that we can be so many versions and there's so much in between. Yeah. And you know, like that's, that's why this is why I don't like being like off post in my uniform because like people, other people feel safe around me, but like, do I feel safe? Right. So I, I think that we or our communities don't look at that because of like the things that we do, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's really hard for me because like I was, I was getting something to eat the other day and, um, the lady, bless her heart, um, like you know sir thank you for your service you know like the whole shake hand thing um and just like I feel really safe knowing you guys are doing what you're doing and like my retort to her was like thank you for your support but I I just want to tell you that thank you for your service because we all serve in some capacity here right so my service is no more a priority than your service and she just kind of looked at me and like that's that's just where my mindset is at right now. Yeah, you know, and that's, it's really interesting when you think about the importance of recognizing how meaningful all of the roles are. Mm-hmm. You know, again, here's me on my military spouse, you know, uh, high horse, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. But I just, I feel, you know, military spouses are another domain of the military, just so under, under or misunderstood. And, you know, actually, it was funny, we were talking the other night, because we're coming from this context of that there's so much there's so much value in all the places from the civilians and what they offer to each domain in the military and what that means but you know the um what is the word I'm looking for it's the stigma stigma okay. is the word I was looking for so the stigma around military spouse right you know I was telling my husband like cuz he he'll make jokes he makes sure he's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, um, you know, did you say you're a military spouse or he'll just make jokes like and because it's there is this stigma and I don't lead with identifying as a military spouse because of these stigmas. But when we actually sit back and recognize how imperative that spousal relationship is to the effectiveness of a soldier and how important it is to rally behind the spouses as well, because at the end of the day, that's who they're going home to and mental hygiene, mental agility, purpose and meaning is so much sourced from this, you know, this family, the internal stuff that, you know, when they, how their relationship is with their kids, you got a soldier who never sees his children and, you know, and possibly is in a divorce situation that is really um, volatile and they don't get to see, like, how does that affect their purpose and meaning in life? And they're, you know, we have to look at the whole picture. So I love that you're acknowledging that there's all these different aspects that are so important to recognize yeah and you know it goes back to you know we put labels on everything like oat milk versus whole milk right <laughs> it, it's a label I mean it's, it's, it's true it's still liquid in the cup and we're consuming it right so you know and like I was that guy like you know in Hawaii at the gate and um, 
the military spouse drove through. It was the spouse of the colonel, and you got to salute her, right? So we all make jokes about saluting the spouse of the colonel because she wore his rank, right? And, like, come back full circle, like, yeah, she wears the rank. But think about all the other things that she's providing to that unit, right? She's providing that leader strength, and in turn, that leader is giving us strength. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I, I mean, like, I kind of look a, a couple layers behind what's going on in the forefront. Right. And, uh, you know, for I think I just kind of lost my train of thought, but, you know, just h- how we're talking about just the, the labels of it all. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll come back to it if I rethink. Of yeah, <laughs> what but I had. you're I mean, you're spot on. There is so many labels and then we miss out because even, you know, like the sacrifices. I was 19 and I, I've talked about this on the podcast before and I love my husband. I'm like, I'm here for it. I'm showing up here, y'all. But it's not been easy. There's been several sacrifices that as a spouse I've had to make. I mean, even just with childcare, right? Like, you know, try to tell his leadership that, you know, wow, my daughter's out of school today. Well, my wife's got to work and do this, you know, so I can't come in. Mm-hmm. No, like it's, it doesn't work that way. And even if there's an ability to negotiate and get some lenience, soldiers mission first, like they're not, they're very uncomfortable to negotiate with their leadership when it comes to personal family stuff. And, you know, again, I don't have the answer of how to solve that and how to, cause I, you know, I respect it. And also I think that a lot of military spouses get burnt out on the, on their own support. Like you sometimes you can get burned out on supporting your soldier spouse and that's obviously not looked positive upon. And actually, you know, coming from Bragg, like the things, the way people talked about spouses who do, who I, I call it burnout on supporting, you know, it's just you get so exhausted of constantly forfeiting what you need to ensure that your spouse is good, you know, that it's selfish and this and that, but it is hard. And there is a sacrifice that does come with it. But, you know, the, the modality or the mindset that I look at it is like, how can you, instead of compromise, how do you collaborate with this scenario and the importance of communication, Mm -hmm. you know, like to be able to say to your, your partner that's in the military and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. And like, how do we, how do we, because if you're just holding it in and resenting, resenting that actually, and this goes to anything, if you're holding resentment, this is some Ayurveda stuff, some pizza stuff, you're burning out. If you're holding in your resentment and your feelings and your anger and your emotion, you will burn desire and passion out of yourself. And so you see this happen. And I think this is a root of why a lot of divorces happen in the military. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, um, this actually takes me back to something you said, um, like I was watching one of your stories and like, and I, I take notes from like what you say, right. Or I screenshot it. And you were, you were talking about, cause we're, we're talking about mindset and, and growth. Right. And you were just kind of saying like, uh, you know, well, yoga does what it does, you know, thank you, mind, body medicine. Right. And you know, before that, you were just kind of talking about like, uh, how, how, yo- how things affect us and how yoga has helped you like with integration, like how it's helped you, um, like with self therapy and like staying cozy, you know what I'm saying? Just like those things. And, um, just knowing, knowing who you are and, uh, just going back to my, my thought from later, um, you know, like just the, the labeling part. And like you said, like the collaboration piece of it. So I, I post a lot of, uh, mindfulness stuff online, like while I'm in uniform, right? Because I think if, if you see a soldier doing it, like, if you see it enough, it'll become the norm. And, like, it'll be accepted more. So another soldier reached out to me and was like, well, this soldier, a veteran. And his question was, like, how do you even feel comfortable putting on that uniform with the current way you're living your life right now? You know, because I've accepted um, yoga, mindfulness, and meditation into my life. Like, how do, how do you put that uniform on knowing what that uniform represents? But I was like, well, let's, let's, let's just think about your question, right? Like, how do I put the uniform on? Because I love the uniform, right? I, I love doing what I do. But, like, outside of that, my mission changed, right? I'm, I'm just not trying to be here to fight the wars. I'm trying to be, be here to fight, like, the wars on our home front. Because if you go back to the Gita, this is why, like, I feel so connected to the Gita because I'm a soldier and, and Arjuna was a soldier, right? So 
my mission changed. And instead of me worrying about like, you know, fighting everybody's war, like my mission is now to bring what I've learned from yoga, mindfulness, and meditation and, and give that to the force, right? Because the army is going to do what it's going to do. Just like, you know, Krishna told Arjuna, hey, I've already slain all these people, right? You just have to go perform the act. And right, right now, what I'm doing is I'm performing the act. I'm collaborating. I'm doing my part. I'm trying to bring the things I've learned and help soldiers, like, understand why we do what we do and how we can do it consciously, right? So instead of giving up and taking off the uniform, no, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share what I've learned until, like, my last day in the Army. That's so beautiful. And, you know, people don't realize that the Bhagavad Gita is all, it's a setting of war. Yeah. You know, when I hear people talk, because I actually early on, I mean, I think this, I haven't heard this narrative in a while, but early on when I, uh, back in like 2012, 2013, when I was doing work at Fort Bragg and it was like bringing yoga to the Warrior Transition Battalion and fulfilling unit requests at Bragg, people in the yoga community even there. And then like, honestly, my Asheville, North Carolina yoga community, they're like, it makes, I mean, I remember being in my advanced teacher training and somebody saying like, it makes no sense that you would bring this to the military community because it's not yogic. And I, I always get shocked because I think that I, I have to remember people really don't read as much as people say they do, or mm -hmm. like people say they're an expert, and know things, but they actually don't actually like, they're just, they heard something on a YouTube or whatever, <laughs> or they listen to it, some voice and are perpetuating that. So when I brought up the Gita, that it's literally in a context of war and it's about like whatever your duty is, whatever is the karmic. So what is karma? Karma is rightful action. Mm -hmm. right? People think it's what comes around, goes around. Well, kind of, because if you're taking right action and you're doing the next right thing, then yeah, good things are like the right things will cut. It's going to continue to come. But if you're, let's say, um, I love, there's one of my favorite poems is by Orion. It's called The Invitation. And she has a line in there about like, are you willing to do what needs to be done to feed the children? Like what needs to be done to feed the children is the karmic action. It's like you have to go to work or you might not love to do something. Let's just even say cleaning your house. Like you might not love cleaning your house, but it creates a safe and healthy environment for you and for your family. So the karmic, you know, make sure you take care of that because that's a karmic action, you know, or just being kind to the person next to you. It's a karmic action because it's the right thing to do. And when we look at our scenarios, and this is also why I love the Bhagavad Gita because it talks a lot about uh, duality, mm -hmm. that in life, there is no love without hate. There is no light without dark. And if we try to jump on one side of the bandwagon and, you know, it's like that, um, <laughs> what is the word? It's like the virtue stuff that people do. It's like, mm -hmm. look at me, like, you know, I say this with love, but I'm just going to change my Facebook thing to this filter. And like, I, that's me advocating. Well, you know, what actions are behind that? And how do we recognize that humans are humans and offering that compassion so we can work with the dark? How do you, you can't run from the dark. You have to learn to hold it. And that's what yoga is about, right? The Hatha, sun, moon. It's, it's dual. Like we have to learn to hold this duality. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you say that because, um, like, I've lost a lot of friends in yoga and in the military because, you know, like in the yoga community, like, the number one thing you usually hear is love and light, right? Love and light, love and light. And I, and I get it, yes, I, I, I do believe in that. But, but what about the rest of it, like, the duality, the polarity of it, right? There cannot, like, light cannot survive without dark, right? And, and I, I explain it like... Look up in the sky, like at night, what do you see? You see the brilliance of the stars against that beautiful black background, right? So you cannot have one without the other. You cannot have, like, calm without chaos. It's not possible. You cannot have land without sea. Like, you need these things to survive. You know, like, your lungs need air, right? So, like, there's always a reverse of, of something, you know? So, like, why do we fetishize or romanticize just the part that like looks good to us right like I am I totally embrace my darkness now it's part of me right and and that gives me light you know like I, I sit with my pain like that gives me joy you know what I'm saying like I'm at this point in my life I'm able to 
Like, if I have a bad thought, I'm like, yeah, come bring it. Like, let's let's figure it out. Like, it, it doesn't, I'm not emotionally tied to it anymore. Like, I'm able to, like, be aware and and have that thought. Even, you know what, be a little depressed about it. Because, I like, I know the depression is only a phase, but it's not me. Like, I can come back from that. So, I just look at it as, as, as though, like, look, if you're going to say love and light, you know, like, say the moon and the sun. You know, say the stars in the cosmos. Like, give it give it all to me. Just don't give me the one side of it that you like. That's so true. Well, and the thing is, is if we don't, like, what is dark is just unknown to us. Exactly. That's it. So if you talk about self-awareness, when you become aware, when you open your eyes in the dark, and then you start to negotiate, you start to, like, witness, oh, that's not me, that's coming from this. Like, that's how we... That's what, how we heal. That's mm-hmm. how we recover. And then we can hold both. And we, we're we not afraid or trying to run away. I actually, it made me think of the concept of how it's like they say, you know, you need to, you need to learn history so we don't repeat it. Well, here's the, you know, when you think about it, the bad, like human cycles are part of humanology. Like we will always have the, the people who want power and then there's like pain and greed and all these things like this has been going on long before a lifetime like one person's not going to come in and change like human nature exactly but it's like what if we looked at history to explore the divine moments like the moments when good did overcome like how did the good like prevail because light because at the end of the day light outshines the dark but you cannot have light without the dark so it's learning not to be afraid of it but going into it and knowing that there are these divine moments where all of a sudden you see it and or people come together and there's love you know you think about in tragedy when do people come together it's when there's tragedy and hardship and there why is that you know if it was all happy I mean we know we just couldn't understand the barometer of feeling exactly and it's like I say this a lot. It, sometimes it's it's about the lesson, right? So humans aren't perfect. Like I'm not perfect. I'm just speaking me now. Like I've made a lot of bad decisions in my life, but I mean I can beat myself up about it, or I can see what what was the lesson in in what I did, right? So the the lesson that is the win. Like the struggle is the process, the pain is the process, but the lesson that came out of that is the win. Because what I learned is going to help me not do what I did again, right? So it's, it's all about the lesson. And I, I say this over and over again. Failure is not your enemy. Struggle is not your enemy. The lesson that you learn from it is going to help you beat it every time. And that's kind of what keeps me going forward. Well, and I love that because the reality is it's we – our experiences are our curriculum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, again, why – the spiritual hygiene stuff is so important because if we start to recognize that there's a bigger picture that connects to us and even our soul, it's like I go through experiences for my soul to grow that it only, like I think about a video game. It's like you go through all this stuff and maze and all these things and you beat the bad guy at the end and then you leveled up. Right. And it's just like, we're leveling up in life. And if you're avoiding your discomfort, are you leveling up? Yeah. And you know, it, it's funny because, like, going back to the Gita again, we we're talking about karmic action. Like, just do your duty. You're going to level up, right? But don't worry about the fruits of the labor. Just do the labor, right? So you'll, you will continue to level up. Don't worry about, like, getting, getting higher or ascending or whatever. That will happen to you. Just do your duty. Just do the labor. Don't worry about the fruit. I love that. Oh, and it's such a relief because also too is our projection. This is the ego, right? It's like, well, the fruit is if I that I'll make all this money or that I will be respected or whatever. But the way providence unfolds is that blessings are a lot bigger than you realize. And if you're just projecting what you think you want, how many times have we said, "Oh, I want this," and then we get it and it's like not what we thought, right? True. So it's like this is what co-creating with life is is like you said just showing up and you know karmic action like what's the best thing to do right now mm-hmm. you know and then like it will unfold for you yeah and I, I don't know uh like I just popped in my head like about mental health um you know if you I don't know this is a big point for me about like st- struggling and like the whole leveling up things like when you when you're thinking about mental health right like if you 
if you just, if you sit with your thoughts and you just sit with them and you don't get help, like you're never going to, I don't know, how can I say it? Like you, you want, I, I don't know, I think I'm stuck, but I, I just feel like, how can I explain? Well, if, if you take a, if you take a seed and you plant the seed, right? Like the seed would just be there. Like it still needs um, oxygen. It needs water, right? So you need help for those things. You need help from other sources other than yourself. So you provide the water, you provide the oxygen, the roots will go deeper into the ground. The, the, the plant will, will at some point pop out from the earth. But then it still needs something. It needs the sun to provide it the energy to grow. So never think that you have the power to, to get everything from yourself. Yes, going inward is the key, but you also have to look at that you, you actually need community. You, you need people to be there for you. And I, I don't know why I went up on that tangent. No, it's, but. it's spot on because in Vedic wisdom, you're like, there's always little guides that come and like, mm-hmm. they can be people like these guides are like, like all of a sudden you have a conversation with someone at the coffee shop and it, it waters that seed. And then you are seeing a therapist that's giving you different perspectives to work with. And then you also allow your sibling to like care for you when you've rejected like being supported. Now you're letting them support you. And then that waters something. It's like, we can't, we're not designed to do this alone anyways. You know, I talk about the the aspect of oxytocin being released during stress response, which is what makes us crave to vent to people or reach out to people. It's like our biology is not designed to do this all on our own. And even going to the Gita, like it wasn't Arjuna sitting his little chariot, like figuring it out himself. Like, you know, Krishna popped up and was like, hey, what do you like? Let's talk about this. Right. And so it is it's. But the thing is, is what they're nourishing, what people come in and support you on. It's up to you to apply it and to go into it and explore it and be vulnerable with it. That's true. And I I guess the, the flip side of that. You know, I had somebody um, reach out to me um, a couple days ago. And, uh, you know, like once you you become self-aware, people people want you to I, I don't know, like I, I'm a, a big fan of like protecting my energy. Right. And I, I can only take in like so much energy from other people. Right. And there comes a point when like, yes, community. Right. But like. I cannot take all of the negative energy. So give yourself a little grace and space at the same time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It reminds me of when you were talking about the different voices or different things, like what is me and what's Mm -hmm. not me. And self-awareness helps so much with that of, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Wait, that's because I saw that post earlier or that's because someone just dumped on me on a text message and I'm not in a space to, to, you know, rescue and that's the other thing is like we do as humans have a fix it impulse we do and it's like we have to send this we've been so conditioned to attend to everybody else and fix everyone else I mean even when you think about kids crying and how quick we're like stop it right because it makes us uncomfortable and we want to fix it we want to make it stop and the more we attend and I, I call it mothering, right? It's like when we mother those parts of ourselves where it's like the emotions coming up, like you said, let the depression's there. It's going to just be here for right now, but it's not forever. It's not who I am. It's learning to dis- a disconnect or it's actually the detachment of that I am everything around me or that I am, you know, if I have to fix or help people just because I'm stepping into a mentorship role or because I'm supporting people. It's their free will, like, and, and we can't, this is another teaching in the Bhagavad Gita is we don't infringe on people's free will, right? Like Krishna's yeah. not like, I'm going to do it for you. It's like, this is your free will choice. We don't infringe on someone else's free will. Yeah. And you know, that brings me to like, even now I'm learning lessons about myself because, you know, like when I figured out, like I have all this, this new knowledge, which is just like a, a drop in the bucket um, that I, I could share this knowledge, but even right now, I tend to, and I think we talked about this um, a couple times between me and you, like I tend to overexert myself sometimes because I feel like I need to help more people. And it, it gets a little frustrating because I will, I will get involved in a mentoring program 
or I'll get involved in a program for at-risk um, kids or, you know, I'll, I'll get on this Zoom supporting veterans because I feel called to and I feel like if I don't show up, who else is going to do it, right? But you, you have to pick, like, how you help people now. Like, you have to pick the safe spaces. Like, you can create safe containers for other people, but you have to put that container around yourself also. So that's something I'm learning, learning myself right now. Like, how to, how to like, put myself in a safe space. Well, I love the, the mindfulness around that because you're right, and that's what creates a lot of burnout as well. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why us teaching and sharing and even leadership in the military and with 7-22, it's like we're equipping people because we can't do it all. You know, I even say with, like, all the work I do, like, I cannot do this by myself. And when we recognize that if we can equip and it actually, like, there's this metaphor around, it's like we're training our communities in this mindfulness so they can deploy into their own communities to bring this. You know, this is a deployment in a way of bringing this forth within the military, especially of we're equipping and then sharing and equipping and then sharing. And there's so many, I, I think there's so much fertility and interest around this, mostly because people are your story you shared from before you came to your yoga practice, there's a lot of that. And there's a lot of polarization in the world and a lot of stress that people are navigating. And this kind of leads me to wanting to ask you, do you have suggestions for people to get started, you know, on yoga or meditation or mindfulness, any of it, where would you suggest for them to get started? Well, I I mean, it'll be different for everybody, but like, I think if you, if you have a local yoga studio and they have a beginner's program, like join that program, like stop thinking that it's not for me. Like go to a yoga class or, you know, find you a, a corner in your house and just take you a couple moments moments and breathe. You know, just, just focus on like being with yourself, um, being calm, focusing on your normal breath and breathe. Like that is also yoga. That is also meditation. Um, go to YouTube. There's plenty of free YouTube, um, like, videos out there for beginners. Like, because if you don't want to go to the studio, you could do that right in the safety of your home. Or reach out to people like me and Melissa who are out here, like, being vulnerable and, like, trying to help you. Like, it's just between us, right? Reach out to one of us, and we can help you. There's a lot of programs out here that are for you that, because we want to, we want to help you. So stop feeling like you don't belong because you do. Or that you're a burden. Like, yes. I think that's the other thing. People get intimidated to reach out and, or even just with any resources, they don't want to be a burden. But, you know, I will say, and I appreciate you mentioning us. One thing that on, um, on Mill Mind Body, so if you go to millmindbody.com, so mill like military, millmindbody.com, we have the foundations course on there and that is complimentary and that gets people started if you're interested in that. And then if you want more personalized attention, we have on melmarieyoga.com, the yoga for beginners course or the yoga or sorry, meditation for beginners course. So we have a few different things and resources but it's just up to you to begin. I loved how he had mentioned to just connecting with your breath, like just starting there, or maybe, you know, read a book, like get a book and just explore and listen, listening to podcasts like this. Yoga is much more than just doing a sequence on the yoga mat for 60 minutes. It is really about how you live, like you practice and how you train your nervous system. You actually do not need a yoga mat to do this. And a lot of work I do on Fort Sam, we don't use yoga mats. You know, so it's like there's a lot of ways. Um, Before we close, is there any, like, what is your vision or things that you see unfolding with yoga in the military for the future? (sighs) Caught you off guard. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. Like, I think the, the army is like going forward with the, the um, H2F program, the holistic health and fitness program. Um, I see more of a dedication to talking about um, spiritual fitness, um, spiritual readiness, mental readiness, those things. So I think we just have to keep doing the work and we have to keep putting pressure on the leadership and uh, telling them and like get, just giving our stories of like, hey, this worked for me. And I think if it worked for me, like it could work for the force because I'm only one soldier. But just, just imagine if, if we were all 
more conscious, more mindful, if we all meditated, if, if we had those modalities to help us become in a moment of chaos. So not going off on a tangent, I just I think that the yogic philosophy is something that we really need to dig deeper into for all of the forces. Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard. I think this is this is the future. And if you just look back through history and like research what yoga has done for so many people in so many countries, you probably agree with me. Well, and even different militias, like yeah. the ways they trained. It mm-hmm. was so much about refining consciousness and the mind. And, you know, if you read Art of War, it is totally a mindful manual. So I love that. Thank you. And how can they find you on Instagram? Because your Instagram is so cool. <laughs> um, so you can find me at uh, a conscious soldier, soldier spelled S-O-U-L, and then the rest, soldier, D-I-E-R. Or you can find me at Rick Irby on all the other platforms. Um, so, yeah. Or, like, just search Mindful Military or Country Soldier on all those platforms. I'll probably pop up. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing and being here with us today. If you guys love this episode, please share it and definitely connect with Enrique. And, you know, begin. it just begins with one breath, one step. Um, and definitely share with your friends and family if you found this helpful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you.